I truly can't believe it that the Atlanta Hawks beat the Philadelphia 76ers in game seven. I had said that, oh, okay, maybe this is, if Embiid is struggling with injury, this could be a six-game series. And then I was saying, uh, what happened? Um, Hawks went up 3-2 after game five, and I'm like, I still expect the Sixers to win. And go figure the Sixers win game six. I'm like, okay, there's probably no way that the Hawks are going to go out and win game seven. And they do it. They win in Philly. Moving on to the Eastern Conference semifinals, or not semifinals, Eastern Conference finals to play the Milwaukee Bucks. And go figure, the person who has the star game for Atlanta is Kevin Herter, a Capital Region graduate from Shenandoah, uh, had 27 points in the game. Trey Young, uh, probably Atlanta's star player, gets 21 points, 10 assists. And I, I mean, Ben Simmons for the 76ers, like what the heck happened there? It was so confusing to watch that. Uh, I mean, he had five points uh, in the last four games of this series. He didn't shoot a single shot from the field. I mean, I think he might've gone to the line like a couple times, but when you expect a player like that, who some have called a superstar already um, to compliment Joel Embiid and, and be able to kind of do the LeBron James thing of driving to the hoop and getting easy baskets, you're supposed to be clutching those situations, especially the last four games of a, of a pivotal playoff series. And you, you you go out and do basically nothing. You're just a sitting duck and hoping the rest of the offense does their stuff, like with Embiid, Tobias Harris. Uh, so it's, yeah, I mean, I kind of kind of speechless. It it basically takes away, at least for now, um, the superstar narrative of Ben Simmons because I think he's not one dimensional, but it. If I'll look at it from a perspective of if the Celtics are going to play the Philadelphia 76ers, the only player I'm concerned about is Joel Embiid. And I think that's kind of a good point of, of saying that, uh, of saying why I don't think Ben Simmons is a, is a superstar, frankly, because I'm not looking at him and I'm being like, oh, that dude's a that there's a big threat because he, he can't shoot the three ball. And if there's a decent enough of defender, he can kind of be limited on his, on his driving attacks. So, but anyway, I got to give credit to the Hawks here and, and what they did. Like I said, Kevin Herbert, Herder, red velvet coming out of nowhere with 27 points. Um, You know, I, I was kind of questioning what, his role may be on the Hawks, but it's whether it's like a starter or on a bench player, he's going to have an impact for, I think, for a while now with this young Hawks team. And it kind of tells you that when the Hawks made the coaching change in in the, the regular season, you, that completely changed the, the outlook. I mean, the Hawks have, well, I mean, it's it's showing now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they've been one of the, the best teams in the NBA since Nate McMillan has become their head coach. And 
yeah, I don't know the exact record, but I think it's it's got to be one of the best in the league um, since he's been become the head coach. So Bucks and Hawks, not the well, I guess the Hawks is the team I didn't expect to be in there. Um, going to be fun. And for the Western Conference finals, they started yesterday. Game one, the Suns take out the Clippers 120 to 114. And no doubt Paul George has stepped up. He he's filling in that void of Kawhi Leonard. He's putting up he put up 34 points yesterday, but the loss of Kawhi Leonard is much greater than the loss of Chris Paul for the Suns. And Chris Paul is coming back because he just has to clear COVID protocol and he'll be back in there. Kawhi, a more problematic situation because he's actually he has an ACL um, injury, uh, I don't like partially torn or or um, something like that in regards to his knee. So that's that's the bigger issue, and really. Game one proved to me that the Suns shouldn't be too worried about not having Chris Paul. The Clippers should be more worried about not having Kawhi. And when you have Devin Booker, who put up 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, so a triple-double, his first career triple-double, I think, in regular season or postseason. Um, and I'll just read some stats here. So Devin Booker is the fifth Suns player. This is all ESPN stats and info. So. Devin Booker is the fifth player in Suns history with a playoff triple-double. He joined Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Penny Hardaway, and Charles Barkley, who did it twice. Devin Booker is the sixth player in NBA history to record 40 or multiple 40-point games in his first career postseason, joining Luka Doncic from last year, LeBron James, Bob McAdoo, Rick Barry, and Wilt Chamberlain. So that's a pretty good list. And then the final one, was Devin Booker recorded his first career triple-double yesterday. He is the fifth player over the last 60 seasons to record his first career triple-double in the conference finals or later, joining Hall of Famers LeBron James. No, 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 not, sorry, not LeBron James. James Worthy, there we go, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jerry Lucas, and Bill Russell. So he's joined pretty elite company with his performance in game one. I don't know if he's going to, continue that trend because a 40 point triple double doesn't happen too often but um i still expect them to put high defensive efforts in um regardless and i mean if i'm looking at other things from the box score here i think deandre Ayton had a solid game yeah 20 points uh i mean jay crowder who else my uh mikhail bridges added 13 and 14 so I think they just have a little bit more than the Clippers do, um, especially without Kawhi Leonard um, to where like Clippers are really relying on guys like Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson, and they can't consistently put that output on the floor um, to where they can really match what the Suns have, even without Chris Paul, because I think they just have better, I guess, um, the non-superstar stars of the team are better on the Suns than they are the Clippers. Uh, so they, to me, LA needs to see Kawhi Leonard back in the series or, or I think the Suns win this, I would say fairly, I'm not going to say like in five games, but I'll probably say in game six. I don't think this is going to game seven. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm confident in the Suns right now just because of Kawhi Leonard's uncertainty and just what the Suns are able to do on offense and and 
you just saw on Sunday with Booker scoring 40 points and then getting the triple double. So I want to, before I get away from the NBA, I want to talk about the Eastern Conference semifinals matchup between the Nets and the Bucks here. And as I just mentioned, the Bucks are playing the Hawks. And even with Kevin Durant scoring 48 points, a not so healthy James Harden, but healthy enough to play James Harden, adding 22 points in the game, zero points for their bench, which is kind of shocking from the Nets. I mean, I know they don't have like huge names, but you would still expect the guys like Jeff Green or, or um, Shamet there to be scoring some points, but they just didn't. Um, so, so they got some output from their starters. Um, and frankly, that's both teams. All they did was get outputs from their stars. I'm pretty sure the bench points the Bucks outscored them. That's nine to nothing. So very few bench points in this game. Stars were playing a ton of minutes and they were just absolutely exhausted at the end. And that kind of showed because when Durant was trying to tie this game up in overtime, he had zero legs left. He airballed the last potential game tying shot and then the Bucks go on to win. Um, yeah, I mean, these players just laid it all on the line on the floor and like I said, it showed with things like a Durant air ball, which you rarely see. Um, but the Bucks did a good job. They they handled the pressure of what Durant was doing. Like I said, put up 48. But Giannis also put up 40. Chris Middleton at a 23. Uh, I said the the nine bench points, I guess, helped um, from, from Pat Connington there. So, I mean, if you're looking at Bucks and Hawks, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the Suns-Clippers scenario. I think we're probably going to see a Phoenix-Milwaukee NBA Finals. Um, oh, I, I almost forgot. Did I forget to mention that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll increase the stakes here um, for the uh, bucks Hawks series, and I will buy a Kevin Herter jersey from the Atlanta, the yeah, an Atlanta Hawks, Kevin Herter jersey, number three. I will buy a jersey if the Hawks win the Eastern Conference Finals and go to the NBA Finals. It, that sounds like a kind of a lame punishment, but I really don't want to buy a jersey other than the Celtics. So I'm going to do it, even though Kevin Herter is a local guy and I, I got to support the, the local um talent that comes out of the capital region and, and playing professional sports, but I really don't want to buy a Hawks Jersey. So if the Hawks beat the bucks in the Eastern conference finals, I will do that. Um, and yeah, you can, you can judge this potential punishment accordingly, but that's, that's what I'm going to do. So we have a new U S open champion father's day, Sunday, a happy Father's Day to anybody who's listening to the podcast here. Um, but yeah, new U.S. Open champion and John Rahm of Spain. And I'll just kind of describe the final round as if you were leaving to run errands, go to the store, run errands, and then came back and then your house was on fire. Uh, it was you had a bunch of these top players in the world and in, in the in the top of the leaderboard climbing up and, and making it very close and competitive um, through the front nine and then everything blew up on, on the back nine and then definitely with probably holes 
11 through 14, 11 through 15, that's when we saw some collapse of players. And that's when the leaderboard really thinned out to where it was down to John Rahm and Louis Oosthuizen of South Africa. And it's unfortunate, but the trend continues for Louis Oosthuizen of getting second place at a, at a major tournament. He, this is like the sixth time he's done it to where he's been second or tied for second in a major. Um, granted, he does have the the one um, open championship there back from 2011, but uh, he's been super unfortunate. He, he has the, a career grand slam and runner um, ups for <laughs> for the golf majors, but. Uh, so still like, you know, nothing to be sad about, but you definitely want to be lifting more trophies. And what a kind of a mini comeback story here from John Rahm, because two weeks ago he was playing at the Memorial Tournament and that's Jack Nicholas's tournament. And he was leading after the third round by I think it was six strokes. He was very well set to win that tournament and then he finds out he gets a a positive covid test that came back from i don't know he probably got a test before his round or whatever and then turns out positive result or whatever so he deals with that he withdraws from the tournament or he's forced to withdraw from the tournament loses out on the winner's prize would have been 1.6 million dollars comes back two weeks later as the favorite in the tournament i believe with most um sports books and yeah he goes out and wins <laughs> wins the trophy and then wins 2.25 million dollars as well so yeah big turnaround from john rom gets his first major joining i think um sevi bust um basteros and sergio garcia as the only spanish major champions i'm pretty sure sevi won some if i'm not mistaken but anyway so yeah big accomplishment for rom uh to get his first major title and i i don't i don't think he'll be done winning uh major titles i think he has a definitely has a few more in him um and i by far i think he's the best player in golf just based on what we've, we've seen in the last month from him so uh but yeah really good win from from john rom and the unfortunate circumstance of of louis oosthuizen getting a, another second place finish at a major so i'm going to try and and finally make this a segment like a, a segment that i may go back to so in the past i've tried to do something called like quick hits to where i guess go through like um multiple topics and probably like less than 10 minutes or whatever you know like just just really spending little time on each of them um and i think they've been probably lengthier than i wanted to so i just like kind of called it quick hits and then didn't really do much with it but um but yeah i think i'm gonna gonna try to make this an actual segment here so here we go with quick hits Okay, so in NASCAR, Kyle Larson is absolutely dominating the sport right now. The number five car for Team Hendrick uh, Motorsports. And yeah, this time he does it at Nashville. Last week, wins the all-star race. And two weeks ago, he won, won at the road course in Sonoma. And then back in late May, he wins the Coca-Cola 600. So he has won some big races. Uh, next week could be a little different. Who knows? Because you have two races at Pocono on Saturday and Sunday. 
and Larson hasn't lost a stage. Um, well, he lost one yesterday, but he hadn't lost one since May 23rd back at uh, what race was that? Back at Circuit of the Americas where Chase Elliott won that race. But so that's how dominant Larson has been. He's He doesn't ha- hasn't just been dominant in winning races, but he's been dominant throughout the entire race. And um, but yeah, but yeah, still gets to win in Nashville and he'll probably get one of the two Pocono races uh, this upcoming weekend. Team USA announced the women's basketball roster, and you got Ariel Atkins, Sue Bird back for fifth Olympics, Tina Charles, um, Nafisha Collier, Skylar Diggins-Smith, who surprisingly, that's her. this is her first Olympics, Sylvia Fowles, Chelsea Gray, Brittany Grinder, Jewel Loy, Brianna Stewart, Diana Taurasi, also her fifth Olympics, and Asia Wilson. This seems to me, and this this looks to me like this is going to be a roster that will win its seventh straight gold medal at the Olympics. Uh, I have no doubt in that. And when you have young talent plus the veterans of Tarasi and Bird, yeah, that's that's definitely a winning combination. The Yankees they turned a triple play yesterday to end the game against the Athletics. They've now won five of their last six games. They sit about four and a half back from the Red Sox for first place in the LL East. So obviously, still some work to do there. But um, just to go into these triple play stats here, so it was the first game-ending triple play since August 23rd of 2009. I believe the Phillies turned one against the Mets. Um, The second triple play, well, this is the third triple play of the season for the Yankees. The second one actually happened just recently on Thursday in Buffalo when they were playing the Blue Jays. And then the first happened less than a month ago or about a month ago on May 22nd. So... They got three triple plays in one month. They've already tied the MLB record for most triple plays in a season. So, yeah, just some some rare air of, of turning um, this number of triple plays. And we're at June, and we still have basically half the season left. We're not even at the All-Star break yet. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if we'll see if they um, can uh, magically turn uh, get the record there. NHL hockey, so Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Islanders tied at 2-2. To me, just seeing the games early on, it just feels like this game, this this series is going to go seven games. Montreal Canadiens, Vegas Golden Knights, the other semifinal, also tied at 2-2. I thought Vegas made a mistake taking out Marc-Andre Fleury and putting in Robin Lehner and um, on the podcast before, I've talked about Laner because when Vegas was playing Colorado in in last round series, Laner gave up like a ton of goals um, against against the Avalanche, and I was kind of confused as to why they put in um, him instead of Andre Fleury for Game One of that series. Um, worked out in the Ve- Vegas's favor, obviously, because they're still in the playoffs. But um, but yeah, um, Laner had a really good game, only allowed a goal. And Vegas ended up winning 2-1 in overtime. The series is tied 2-2, just like Lightning and Islanders series. And yeah, like I said, I was surprised. I really thought Montreal was going to go up 3-1, which would have been like unreal. Like I didn't see Montreal getting out of the first round against Toronto. And I don't think anybody did once they were down 3-1. But uh, yeah, it's still going to be a battle, but, but advantage Vegas at this point. 
Euro 2020 Group A. You have two teams advancing with Italy and Wales. They just concluded their group stage matches. And Switzerland is kind of on the bubble there, waiting to be one of the four um, highest ranked third place teams left that get into the knockout stage. Um, I had Italy and Switzerland. Um, and then Wales was on the bubble for me, but I still had them advancing. So if Switzerland ends up moving on, that works out a little bit better for me towards my predictions. And that's kind of the same deal with Group C. This this match, um, these matches concluded this morning in, in the group stage there. And you have Netherlands and Austria moving on. I had Netherlands, Ukraine, and then Austria getting through. Um, as a third place team, but it would be Ukraine who has to do that now. Um, and Ukraine has is a little less likely because they only have three points. A team like Switzerland has four points. And then the other four groups will be determined, um, I believe, by Wednesday here. So, um, yeah, and then we'll be into the knock, knockout stages of Euro 2020. All right. That was quick hits.